Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. And with me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Uh, visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sCriticPodcast.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The handle is CriticsPod. Uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Lux, all your podcatchers. And then catch us live on YouTube every Monday evening between 6 and 9 p.m., give or take, Central Time. Uh, patreon.com slash critics pods the best way to help support the podcast and this week's episode is a kind of a bonus episode even though it's our regular episode we're going to skip this week because last week we watched a movie called everything everywhere all at once is that Mm -hmm. what it's called and uh, I don't know we've learned something from that movie Uh, one we could talk about it again and that'd be a great episode (laughs) (laughs) and I do that Uh, two there's just something that you know when you disagree with somebody the it's there's a they just said be kind and there are certain things that came out this week that we disagree with and rather than be harsh and go we just we're gonna skip over them we're just not gonna do them uh and we're gonna try to give you a Patreon bonus episode to give you guys a taste of what you've been, you've been missing, or if you haven't heard them yet. Uh, we have done several episodes. Uh, we've covered Nirvana, The Beatles, Metallica, and this week we're gonna kind of cover two more bands that neither one of us are that familiar with. Uh, and uh. So we're gonna. That's gonna be the episode this week. I hope you like it. If you don't like it, then the normal episodes will return next week. Uh, but we're gonna give you guys a taste of what those episodes are gonna be like in the future. And hopefully, as we do these music ones more, we'll get more of a groove going because uh, it's it's new to us too. It's a different format than a normal episode. But anyway, uh, do you have a preference where we start, Sean? No, not really. I can go either way. All right. Then I will share the screen to the pictures I have. And I don't know the order they're going to pop up in. And we'll just look. <laughs> oh, it's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> All right. Here we go. One. And let's see what the computer screen chooses. Looks like we're going to start with the darkness. Uh, <laughs> the Darkness is a, I guess, would you consider him a one-hit wonder from like the mid two thousands? Uh, with what I think we both thought was a comedy country, they were they were huge. Like every record they put out was a big thing, and when they broke up, uh, it was major news. Here, uh, people only know The Darkness for for one one song. I believe in a thing called love is the only thing that anybody knows, and that one's. Almost going to be 20 years old next year, I think. Uh, 2003 is when that came out. <laughs> it's hard so to believe, old. right? We're so old. <laughs> but uh, that, at least that was a song that a lot of people remember and, and really love. But The Darkness has been going at it for, for years. And uh, they, they did take a, like, a long leave of absence. Uh, the lead singer developed a, a drug problem and left the band and got healthy and then they got back together and getting back together uh they've done several albums since including this one which was released in 2019 yeah in every religious holiday and i'm not proud to say this but it's something my friends and i do is we'll send texts back and forth of the most offensive way to say happy easter or merry christmas <laughs> and 
uh, I was scrolling Instagram, and one of my favorite new bands called Hailstorm was actually they had this in their story and they were listening to it and I was like oh that's funny so I just downloaded the one song I'm like holy shit this is actually really good so then I got the whole album and I'm like wow this is amazing and the last two years or three years I guess it would be now I've this, I just this kind of my Easter record that I listen to around Easter uh, but that's how I came across this uh, record and then as Sean and I were deciding what to do this week I was half joking and he was like, let's just try it. And I was like, God, I hope he likes it. God, I hope he likes it. God, I hope he likes it. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't know. I love it. But let's here's the track listing uh, on our YouTube page. And uh, do you want to get us started? Yeah. Uh, Rock and Roll Deserves to Die is the first song on the record. And it's, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a perfect classic rock song that is, a, you know, just a, like a declaration of purpose, if you will. You've got a band here that is that is, rock and roll deserves to die. It's just them observing every other rock group on the planet and you know, just giving them the middle finger because we're better. We're the only rock band in the world. And <laughs> you got to that throwback arrogance to the 1980s is just a, a beautiful part of what the darkness does. Uh, obviously, I mean, everything else on this record is is you know there is even they're they're going to contradict themselves a lot later on in, in lyrically, and it doesn't really matter because again, a lot of it is humor. A lot of this is based on irony and and uh, uh, a lot of sarcasm and just a great deal of humor, and that's really what you get throughout the entire record. But then this thing just it just hits hard. Like the first thing that you hear is just this song coming in really heavy and exciting the the big guitars the hair metal sound is just gorgeous and then that lead singer that, that guy's amazing that the the, the 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 notes that he's still able to hit at uh, 47 years old is just it, it, it's a miracle uh and he's and considering all that he's been through it's it's miraculous that he's still been able to keep his voice the way he has he still sounds a lot like he did when he put out a, a when they put out uh I believe in a thing called love. It's it's still the same guy. It is still the same. That's still that same sense of humor. Uh, but then the band just explodes behind him brilliantly. Oh yeah, I mean it. It kicks off almost in a Zeppelin esque kind of mandolin, really kind of a soft intro that then goes into this very. You know, I don't want to call it. It's like Queen meets White Snake, <laughs> you know, level <laughs> uh, theatrical yet you know you know standard rock you know it's it's just fun and i i'm not a guy who cares about lyrics or i don't even really notice them if that makes sense i'm I'm very much guitar oriented or strings in general i I just like hearing that in the music and i think the riff's great i think everything about the song is great and i just his voice you know, I know it's cheesy, and but I think it's fun, and I think it's—I mean—it's almost borderline tenacious D Steel Panther <laughs> level of cheese. Not quite there, yeah, right? Uh, uh, a little bit more serious than they are, but it, it's still fun, and I just—it's <laughs> hard for me to understand how you couldn't like this. Uh, one thing you said to me in the messages, and maybe you'll get to it later on, is that when you heard these songs, you felt like you'd heard them before. It was like, they are, they were already comfortable. You know, a lot of times we listen to a new record. It might take a time or two, 
this is one of those records where you just feel like you've already heard it as you're hearing it for the first time. <laughs> and, you know, in some ways, you could say that makes it a little formulaic. But it's, to me, I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think that's a good thing in this scenario. I, I think the guitars, the hooks are perfect. It's not redundant. It's not like it's a white snake record. It's a combination of a lot of bands I like kind of mixed mm-hmm. into one. Uh, and I think this is a great cheesy way to get it kicked off. Uh, especially when you're combining bands like Zeppelin and Queen with white it, snake. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it, it is a, it's a hair metal rock song, but it's also a deconstruction of hair metal rock, rock songs, songs at the same time. <laughs> it's fucking great. I love lyrics. Lyrics are my favorite part of any song. And uh, this one's got just some killer, some just some killer lines. But one that, re- one that really just that uh, that really hits me when I when I hear it is uh, he's talking about uh, all tattoos and no scars. <laughs> Just calling out every rock star for being soft. <laughs> just makes me think of those guys who get like barbed wire tattoos. Like you just want to put real barbed wire out of there and really see how it feels. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you're if you're watching us on YouTube right now live, uh, Sean will go on to say mentioned earlier that they go on to totally contradict themselves on, with a song like "Choke" on it at the end is like the is like the song they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I don't know. Uh, but I, I also love the versatility on the album which I mean we can jump right into the next song how can I lose mm-hmm. your love uh, not like the first song <laughs> but yeah equally as good it's like a, it's like a poison level power ballad in ways it's fucking great uh, and just and beautiful it's a beautiful song when you break it down yeah it, I mean for me it's even like I actually kind of like it better than hair metal because I I do hear that seventies rock only. It, it's like if Zeppelin and Queen existed, but they had they had Guns and Roses uh, before them, so like they mm. could be influenced by that, or because it's not the lyrics are definitely cheesy, but the music itself isn't as I don't know I. I there is an element of you know Brian May and Jimmy Page that I hear in the guitar playing. It's not just simply mm-hmm. you know CC Deville or you know Richie Sambora. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. these iconic guitar riffs, and they're you can like hear every string every no matter what they're playing, and that kind of went away in the eighties. And that's the big difference for me is that it's a little bit more musical than they were. Though they were very show offy in the eighties, so they not, yeah. they were great players. Don't get me wrong. But there's something to the song and that's just a little bit different and a little less, I don't know, formula, I guess, would be the word I want to use. Because you just really never know where they're going to go, which maybe is why I like it so much. Totally unpredictable. Totally unpredictable. <laughs> uh, I love that. That chorus is fantastic. Like, how can how can I lose your love if I'm still trying to find it is it, I mean, that's a legit great lyric on top of being clever. It's a legitimately great lyric. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to live till I die. Uh, this was kind of a standout for me. And this is one where the lyrics kind of did jump out me. I, I don't didn't write any of them down, but early on just kind of seemed more autographic 
biographical. I don't know when he was born, but it seemed like he was, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What did you think about this song? It it has got the best hook on the entire record. Maybe maybe second to Heavy Metal Lover. We'll get to that one. But <laughs> uh, in terms of a song that just sticks in your head, this is the one that has a that ha- has that hook that is just going to stay in your brain for a very long time. Uh, that is, live till I die, laugh till I cry, live till I die, laugh. Till, that that's going to be in my head forever. I'm never going to get rid of that. <laughs> right. Uh, the next two are kind of lost on me. Heart explodes and duck chair. Uh, I are you know, ca- really? I love heart explodes. I'm sure I like it. I can't remember it off the top of my head though. <laughs> this is like this one was uh, uh, reminiscent again. Like I get, I keep going back to the '80s, but like it just felt like just blast of like classic, just class classic nostalgia. It's very heavy. <laughs> the idea of like playing rock until your heart explodes. Right. <laughs> That's fucking, that's fucking great. I just, that vibe, it, it's both cheesy, but also they pull it off just so well. As, as, as silly as it might be, like they always, with, with the skill that they have, they always bring that cheesy element back around to something and they sell it to you as rock. And that is, uh, that is, that's talent. Oh, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I've, when I listen to the record, every time I've heard it, I've, other than the first few times I listened to the song Easter is Cancelled, I listen to it beginning to end. It's like, that's just what I do. I don't just pick out the song. So I sometimes they're, I don't know which one's which. There's certain ones that stick out. I mean, how do you, like Heavy Metal Lover, which we're going to get to, is so obviously what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the title track and the, the first couple. So I know those names. I've just, you know, it's I'm in, either in the car or I just have it on uh, i listen to it a lot this weekend i listen to it every easter weekend i love every song on the record i just don't always know which one's which when it comes to naming them so my apologies on oh, no, no. heart explodes on deck share i've been listening to it all afternoon so it, it uh for me it's relatively easy to recall like and deck chair is just <laughs> the greatest song ever written about a deck chair <laughs> Like there is no song ever that has been a love song about a deck chair and it fucking works. <laughs> it's so great. It's and it, he just he just sticks to the premise. He's just so sad about losing a deck chair off of his boat. <laughs> it's the it's the deck chair. It's his poor deck chair, the one that has always, you know, held his butt. <laughs> I mean, you can't say this band's not fun, (laughs) but they know what's, they know they're being fun and that's what works with what they they're doing. Uh, The, the melodrama of this song, including it, like he includes a, a French breakdown. The middle of the song just busts out some French to just to, to underline the ennui that is on set because of the loss of his deck chair. And I and just the swell to the end is so beautiful too. Just I stand here alone for I have not a throne. The seat I relied on belongs to Poseidon. She is Neptune's now. Like the fucking melod, the balls of that melodrama is fucking beautiful. And, and this is why we're different listeners too. This, I mean, I 
up until right now did not know this was just about a duck care. Uh, <laughs> because again, I'm. It's weird. My friend Corey from who used to do the Abby podcast, he had sent me this TikTok of how this guy listens to music and you hear the words the the mm-hmm. lyrics are there but the the voice is more of its own instrument and i appreciate the range he's hitting i don't really care what he's saying you know certain things are fun you know easter is canceled sounds like it's gonna piss somebody off so that sticks in my head but for the most part it's the noises that are coming out of his mouth not so much the words so it's kind of fun to hear what these songs are about <laughs> uh but let's move on to East Coast Canceled because right out of the gate, as a guitar guy, this riff is just badass from the get-go. Uh, yeah. It, it's, you know, slash level, you know, could be on a Guns N' Roses kind of, it's that good of a riff. Uh, turns into kind of a fun little corny rock song, but I, I love that opening riff. Just bluesy and heavy and uh, absolutely is what drew me into the record in the first place. It is a it is a great rock song and with a great uh, amazing uh, riff to open and and then of course those those classic themes of uh, of cri- uh, of criticizing religion and criticizing you know the the hypocrisy of religion you know Easter is canceled is definitely a provocative phrase but he's going even further basically singing part of it as if he were Jesus and then he's the devil that he's the guy killing Jesus like it's just he takes it through numerous different uh ways to to interpret it and it's kind of it's just kind of wonderful that way uh and the the it builds and builds and builds and just has a big beautiful explosion in the it's just oh fucking fantastic <laughs> And I really don't want to oversell the record. <laughs> I, uh, I think but, I'm doing that. But it is, it, it's good. I mean, it, it really is a, I don't know what to compare it to without overselling it. Cause there's not a bad song on here. You can listen to it beginning to end. There's no reason to skip anything. And when we get to have him in a lower, which is next, like it's not Bohemian rap city, but it's the next level down. I mean, it, it's this kind of, really crazy cool rock opera thing that they're doing that i think is just phenomenal but you'll do a better job of explaining it <laughs> heavy metal lover is my new favorite song uh, <laughs> it's amazing love, i love this song so much it is so great it is a it is a love song sung specifically to to a woman who is just the epitome of heavy metal to the point where he, he's worried that she might rust <laughs> so metal, I worry you'll rust. It just kills me. I heard that line is like, "This is my favorite song now. <laughs> this is the one." But it's all. I mean, just the the imagery is so strong. Like lyrically, like he creates this woman in your head of what she looks like. You know, even her pajamas are black. <laughs> like everything about her is just the most metal thing you can think of. And it reminded me. It's it's both like. It's both like a kiss song and a complete deconstruction of a kiss song in many ways. Like it's it's a critique of like how shitty a kiss song is. Like here's a kiss song that's really really good. <laughs> that's funny because I mean it's almost a ballad at times, or like mm-hmm. for the for most of the lyrics, and then it just jumps into this metal riff. And then they end on a they end on a nice little metal breakdown, which is even 
better and it's nothing like anything else on the record i mean it's like metal metal like if kiss were to try to play a metallica song that's probably what it would sound like if that makes sense or because mm. uh, it's fast and it's you know heavy metal but it's it's almost funny the way they're doing it like they're just like we have this cool riff we don't have a song where it fits let's write a song about people who like this music and just play the riff because we like it and i mean and i don't know what they really did but it it it, it just the way it transitions is it's not, not even really a transition just it pauses and then it goes into the heavy stuff and then it pauses and it goes back to the soft stuff uh, but it, it it works in a weird way, it, which is oh, it so does. And the yeah, <laughs> the the final just the final few lines are just so just about her the the way she cuts meat, she <laughs> cutting meat. <laughs> God damn it, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, you know it. Part of me wants them to be like serious, <laughs> like Spinal Tap <laughs> level, like. They don't know they're being <laughs> corny. And funny. They clearly know what they're doing. Oh, absolutely! Uh, this is fully calculated. Uh, which, in a way, is even neater because I don't know. It, some parts you want to laugh at them, but the other part is like well, they know what they're doing and they just knocked it out of the park. This isn't fair. I want to. It's just too good. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> it's they're fully in on the joke uh it, and that's the thing is like they are they are very very funny but also really really good like the right. songs back up how, how as funny as they are they they back up that with like just incredible talent uh behind it, it was the from everybody in the band every every aspect of the band is very very good and they, they just happen to be very very funny on top of it and I, don't get me wrong, I love Tenacious D and Steel Panther, but they're, I mean, one's got Jack Black, so that, that kind of helps them out, but they're kind of one-note jokes. You know, these are, I mean, like Sean said, they wrote a song about a deck chair, and they took it seriously. It's not all about sex and the devil and whatever else. It's a wide variety of things, and that's kind of what's... Sex and the devil are in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so are deck chairs. <laughs> Uh, they're more than a one note joke <laughs> absolutely uh but then the transition out of heavy metal lover straight into in another life is <laughs> just two polar opposites yeah in another life is probably my least like if i had to rank it if i were ranking all the songs it would probably be at the bottom of my list not that it's but it's not a bad song right, by I any agree. stretch it's just it's the most tame uh sort of straightforward song on, on the record Right, I, I am with you one hundred percent, and maybe choke on it's my second least favorite. The next, not that there's anything wrong with that song. It's just kind of, it's like you were saying early on. It, it's the song rock and roll deserves to die is making fun of, uh, in my opinion, at least. It, it's very much something that I could see Motley Crue writing or somebody like that from that era. It, it's the yeah. least kind of creative of all this lyrically, at least. It, it 
I know they're going what they're this is one where they're going for a joke and they're kind of coming up a little bit short because kind of the sentiment here is kind of what a bitter middle-aged divorced guy would say about his ex-wife and that plays like you know kind of a hack comedian and kind of in in a way uh and, and I know that's not what they're going for I know they're going for kind of again like uh to, to satirize that idea but they they, they don't quite get that's they don't quite get there on choke on it yeah, it almost plays like a Steel Panther song versus theirs. Uh, but then you move on to the last track, We Are the Guitar Men, which I actually really like. Uh, I, I just think it's a fun little corny ballady rock song. And and again, we're talking about the hypocrisy before. You know, you start with rock and roll never, or rock and roll deserves to die, and you come back around to a song right. that is a long, that basically has the lyric "Long live rock and roll" in it. Yeah, I. Which is it's pretty great, and I mean, just the ah ahs and the <laughs> so beautiful. It is a great song though, and it does it it it. Because every 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 rock record of the seventies uh, and eighties kind of had a song like "We Are the Guitar Men" that celebrates you know being on the road and being a rock star and the, all that comes with that and you know <laughs> the guitar is an extension of my soul is a sentiment that's you know pretty typical of, of that day and age so it, it definitely fits but it also does have a little bit of that edgy you know, uh, the darkness feel to it because there is that sort of sense of set satire coming through as well of that idea like it's going over the top like right you know, you, you say you're connected to your c- guitar uh but uh, is it an extension of your very soul as it is mine right they, they play this with this level of arrogance in a comedic way <laughs> yeah that you know spinal tap made fun of but they do it very genuine and sin- like they're not but they're playing it's just more genuine and less like i don't know what i'm trying to say it's definitely a joke but they mm-hmm. they just they buy into it and they just go with it and they run and just have fun but it's not so over the top where they're a comedic act you know it it, it per- it's one of those perfect uh, needle points that uh, you know pu- that points right into the hypocrisy of this of records just like it <laughs> oh yeah i mean I'll just go off into a little mini tangent. I've went to a lot of concerts in the last four weeks just because yeah. COVID, and now they're all back. And I mean, I've been to Peoria, Des Moines. Like, it's been like 10 or 11 concerts. It's been a lot. Uh, the last one we saw was I just am trying to get my kids to go and get into some of the stuff I like. And I went to a band I normally wouldn't go see because I'm not really a big fan of them. And they walk out on stage with the lights behind them and they just stand there and pose and look out at the audience. I'm just like, Oh my God, these guys are the biggest douchebags in the world. <laughs> then they play the entire set to a backing track. It was awful, but my kids Ooh. loved it and it's the yeah. future of rock and roll, I guess, unfortunately. Uh, but it just reminded me of this song, just the way they walked out like, yeah, we're the guitar men and just kind of looking at us. <laughs> Soak it in, you know, almost pro wrestling ish. Only I don't know if they were in on the joke or not. Maybe they were. I don't yeah. know. I'm being extra harsh on this band, but uh, they did do a great tribute to Taylor Hawkins. So there's that at least. But there's that. Uh, uh, I, you know, th- this runs through. Uh, we are the Guitarman, but I actually listened to the extended 
cut of this record uh, with a few more songs on it. And uh, one of which is called Lay Low. Mm-hmm. You know, Lay Low? Yes, we do. Uh, it's basically it's basically like a riff on what's uh, on Stefan from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> It's like they create this uh, universe where there's this there's this bar you can go where the darkness is the band that plays there and uh, they've, got, they've got both the Delavines <laughs> and Rita Ora. <laughs> it is a wonderfully brilliant comedy uh, piece of comedy uh, and it just, yeah, it just it's probably the the most like intentionally funny song, which does. I uh, keep it kind of in a notch below, say heart explodes and right. uh, certainly deck chair and heavy metal lover, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but in terms of just who they are in terms of expressing their personality and their humor, this one is pretty strong in that way. But simply on a musical level, uh, as a guitar fan, this is a fantastic guitar record <laughs> for anybody yeah. who's into guitar. Uh, it is, insane to me that i've never heard of this outside of somebody posting on instagram as a joke on easter uh it just come out in the late 80s or early 90s i mean i think this could have survived grunge it's that tight of a record uh i really i mean it really is a there's no reason to skip a track it's that good uh at the same time i don't want to be like it's appetite for this it's not no no it's it's the it's the kind of record that makes you feel ashamed for how much you enjoyed Def Leppard, isn't he? <laughs> Def Leppard, even even Bon Jovi or Poison too, you know, like that that group of bands. You kind of feel bad when you listen to this, and, and it's just a perfect like deconstruction of all that they did, like the shit that they took seriously and played up as as what their actual lives were. Like right. this record comes along and just blasts them out of the fucking water. It's not only it not only rocks harder than they do. It's it's just it takes what they do and does it far better. That's the thing. I mean, I, I would honest, and I'm not even being a smartass when I say like I'd put this up against Hysteria or Slippery One Wet or what Look with the Cat Drug in or photo whatever uh, Pyramid whatever the I can't remember the name of this, uh, whatever that Def Leppard record was. Uh, I think it's. <laughs> It doesn't have the hits that those did, mm-hmm. but as a collective, it, I think it's a better record than all those, personally. Because it, it, it's a de- deconstruction of those. It, it really, it takes those records apart <laughs> and, and satirizes. It takes the, 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 the pomposity of those records and the, and the absurdity of those lyrics and gives them an absurd context against this honestly far better technically sounding record. Right, and when I hear it musically, I don't hear the 80s. I actually hear the 70s just with a little bit tighter guitar. You know, that's mm-hmm. about it. That's kind of what I hear when musically when I hear it. So I I can't recommend it enough. I'm glad I'm kind of, now that I've recommended it to one person after three years, and they've <laughs> been receptive to it, that maybe I can recommend it to more. So that makes me feel better. <laughs> about liking this record i mean i'd go to if they were touring the u.s right now i'd jump on it right away sadly i haven't gone and listened to anything else which is a crime they if i liked this i liked that first record even beyond the song that they had mm-hmm. uh i don't know why i don't give them more effort in my <laughs> music listening but the, the first record it, it is it's similar to this but it's like it also like includes like uh, a little bit of cheap trick, right. uh, you know, a little more pastiche of that uh, uh, power pop 
of the time. So that's it's got a little bit of that to it, which maybe might not appeal in the same way as this does. This is a much harder record, I would say, than that one was. Yeah, I I love Cheap Trick, though, too. So that's the, <laughs> the other part. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this, like I said, this this really does click off. What I love most about music is this kind of genre, the blues. I love the like bluesy rock. I love, you know, the cute trick, which is not so much on this record, like you said, but I do love them. Everything about what I love in rock and roll is caught in this album, and it, and it makes fun of it to my face, and I don't care because they know, but they also love it too, and I, maybe that's what it is. They definitely love what they're doing, uh, and they just kind of embrace the cheesiness of some of the themes that go along with it. Uh, for Easter, this when we went to my parents' house, I had to tell my son, we can't talk about the devil. <laughs> just, <laughs> 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 we don't really worship the devil. We just like heavy metal. And they sing about it a lot, but you can't talk about it in front of your grandma and grandpa because they will not be happy. I just to just to tangent on the Easter thing. Uh, I think I saw five different people do the same TikTok where they did this green screen, like the the there's the Roman guard standing in front of uh, the cave where Jesus is, and he starts the the guard starts to sing, uh, "Come and get your love." <laughs> gets to the part where he says, "Hey," and then you hear from the cave, "Hey." <laughs> I it was it's terrible, but it's funny as hell. <laughs> Why is it terrible? It's just because we've been <laughs> conditioned to think that it's terrible. <laughs> that's what's. It's apparently the most <laughs> offensive thing ever. When really, it's uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, Easter. It's terrible that I think it's terrible that everybody did the same joke. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> that's worst the offensive thing about that's the, the terrible part. Right. <laughs> Uh, but again, Easter is canceled by the darkness, a phenomenal record. Everybody should go listen to it. Uh, especially if you're into rock and roll, it, it encapsulates everything. It, it blows my mind. This came out in 2019 and nobody noticed. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that is such a shame. All right, let's move on to our next record, which is nowhere, nothing like, uh, the darkness. <laughs> Easter is canceled. Uh, Some similar themes, but <laughs> sure. Uh, but just a wholly original. Uh, it, it's Nine Inch Nails, a downward spiral. One of the, I guess, classic iconic records from the early '90s. Uh, quite frankly, an album that was over my head at the time, uh, and even now, it musically kind of is. As a guy who listens to the music and doesn't get into lyrics. Mm-hmm. This is definitely something that's kind of beyond, I don't know if beyond, outside my scope of what I like to listen to is. I'm more into the live performance. I love guitars. I love I love the musicianship. And there is musicianship here, don't get me wrong, it, but it's very much more about the recording and the process of orchestrating the songs and the themes and the record as a whole, uh, which is outside of what I like a lot of times. That said, I have way more respect for Trent Reznor after really... I mean, I spent a lot of time with this one specifically, which is why I forgot some of the Darkness songs, because I, uh, I I, really honestly was listening to it as a whole for the first time this weekend. 
Same, honestly. I, I avoided uh, Nine Inch Nails. I, I avoided this because it was just so dark, and uh, I it was ninety it was nineteen ninety four. You know, uh, I don't know if if uh, Cobain had killed himself by then or not. So it was just a, it was a, it was already like there were already tough times, and then uh, this comes along and is the darkest thing imaginable. And uh, it was yeah, it was not easy, uh, yeah. not an easy listen. Uh, so I, I avoided it uh, as as well. Till now, basically, the first time actually sitting down and listening to the the of the period, and what what it comes to uh, is that this is this is a pretty good indication of why Trent Reznor is a composer now for for movies because this is an incredibly cinematic. Uh, what he does here is a lot of this sounds like it could be the the soundtrack of a of a horror film uh, if you if you wanted it to be you could create this is probably more frightening than most horror films that you and I have to suffer through uh there are a lot of terrible horror movies in the last you know 27 years that don't match the the kind of horror that uh that Trent Reznor is capable of of delivering in this in this in this record in, in a lot of ways it's you know we hear we see those movies where like that was great. I don't ever got to watch that again. Uh, Requiem for the Dream. And I'm not, this isn't quite that. Cause I mean, I, I know closer. Everybody knows closer hurt. There's songs in here that I just know. And I, I don't dislike them. I never did. Uh, they just weren't my go-tos. Uh, but if you really spend time with this, it, this is a depressing as hell. <laughs> I mean, this song, this record's a basically, uh, concept album about a guy just going down the downward spiral through depression to the point where he kills himself and then move the song the record ends so i mean it's it's a depressing record uh at the same time you know you look at the stuff that was coming out in that time period and what it got lumped with it made no sense you know it's not a metal record it's not I know he went out with Marilyn Manson and he kind of found Marilyn Manson out, but they're nothing alike, really. This is way more composed. I mean, even the new metal stuff that kind of came after this and Tool and everything, this is just mm-hmm. its own little lane. It's almost like yeah. David Bowie met Frank Zappa and <laughs> made a record. Uh, Pink Floyd The Wall was a big influence on this specific record. Uh, but anyway, let's try to dive in and deconstruct as best we can. Yeah, so Mr. Self-Destruct is uh, pretty pretty straightforward as a guy who is, uh, I, I think you could obviously find the drug influence here, like this, this is a person who's been using a lot of drugs and is, uh, you know, it's not improving their depression and it's just kind of taking him further and further down uh, this downward spiral. And it's a it's an amazing way to start a record because it just comes in really heavy and disorienting and and uh, disturbing right off the bat. You, you can't, you're never going to be comfortable listening to this record. Not for, not for one second. He's not going to let you relax for a moment. Everything is just noise and not, not, not a bad way. Like I can understand why people do want to listen to this. And oh, I certainly, I get the appeal of it. I, I felt, I, I was definitely feeling this, this record from the beginning on uh, and, and it. It is damningly effective. Uh, 
it is also it it does like I, I can understand people who might even work out to this a little bit. It gets a little bit dark, like, like and that's how you, so I understand like people who maybe enjoy a little bit of extra pain might like this a little bit. There is a right. there's a masochistic quality to it that uh, I can definitely understand the appeal of in some ways. Um, but yeah, it, it it's such a it, it is a powerhouse way to start a record. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, even the and I'm kind of talking about the album as a whole here, but like back to the working out to it, the, he almost fucks with you <laughs> if you're gonna work out to this because it it'll be heavy, then it'll slow down, and uh, it's definitely way more cinematic. But it, it you're right, just it, there's a definitely a groove at times where you're just like I can see why this would get you going, and then you throw the masochistic stuff in there, which does help out when you're working out. Uh, I mean, the whole thing's a full-blown work of art, and that's kind yeah. of... I came away with a ton of respect for them, specifically Trent Reznor, after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually... The next song, Piggy, is one of my favorite songs on it. I don't know why. It just kind of is a... It just sounds messed up from, from the beginning. <laughs> it, I mean, I couldn't help but think of, of getting into the mi- mindset of like a school shooter listening to this song. It... it I, it, it is like it is disturbing just how much you can get into that mindset of like oftentimes as much as this is about like seemingly a concept album about this one guy and what's going on in his head you could almost you could almost transplant this to like the mind of a serial killer who's you know this is I, it's like the soundtrack of somebody who, who is preparing to do something horrible he's taken a victim and he's going to do terrible things to them uh, and and to evoke that mindset as this does, which I think we'll get into in the next song, but um, the there's so many weird things about this song. I was reading about the background of this song. The fact he wrote it about one of his band members, apparently whom he called piggy, one of the band members who left uh, early on. Uh, The Robert Patrick guy. I'm not sure. I can't remember his name. It was, he went on to start filter. Filter, Yeah. That guy's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> well, that's who the song is about. So, but also the, just to just to underline like the point about killing and killers, this song was written and recorded on Cielo Drive, right in the in house. the home in the house where like literally uh, Susan Atkins wrote the word "pig" on the wall of this house where they recorded this song. Yeah. Uh, that that is kind of uh, it's very it gives it an extra bit of disturbing uh, reality to it. What but then it, just the way he says that lyric over and over again, nothing can stop me now because I don't care anymore. It is it is haunting, haunting. Did you read about when he met Sharon Tate's sister? No. Uh, she because they were they basically recorded the whole album in the house where she was murdered. Yeah, and. Uh, when he met the sister, she's like, I just hope you're not trying to exploit the murderers. And the reason he was in there was, you know, probably, you know, there's, there is a part of us as humans that it just gets into the culture of America and things you see on TV. And I think he was just interested and it seemed cool. And like, I was in the Manson house and blah, blah, blah. And then he met somebody who was affected by it. And it was just like everything that seemed neat about what he was doing just hit, home really hard and I think it might have been after they were done uh, but I think he kind of regretted <laughs> a lot of mm. 
being there because it also what if it was his sister what if you know uh, and and that was neat to read Uh, he did that in an interview I think a few years back uh, talked about that but I mean it's it truly is messed up I mean I think they called the studio La Pig or something like that because that's what she wrote on and again they were young and stupid yeah Uh, but at the same time incredibly smart when it came to music and art and all that mixed together is just uncomfortable and at the same time it's hard to turn away really truly yeah you it's one of those things it's it's so powerful you cannot you can't turn away from this song right uh let's move on to heresy yeah heresy this is again going back to the horror movie thing this is a song that i i was I was telling you in a message that like yeah. you, this, the, the movie Nocturno, which we saw earlier this year, I really think you could edit this song to the, to the images in that movie and create something truly terrifying. Uh, this is a this is a horror film of a song, and it, it yeah, ter- just fucking terrifying to listen to at times. The the, the noise and the, the the industrial sound and and an incredibly sim- cinematic imagery and. That's when I hear songs like, I mean, really the whole record, but the song, this one's in particular, it's just like, where do you come up with, like, where do you, why are you doing that and how did you get there? Uh, that really, when I listen to music, I like to, I like to think about that. And when I used to interview rock stars, that's kind of where I would go. Guys like Trent Reznor are the most intimidating for me because I just don't, you know, it's like, like a filmmaker, like I could never get in the head of a David Lynch or a Terrence Malick. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, some of it I love, some of it I hate. And here it's the same kind of thing. It's just like, where do you even think of this stuff? You know, it, it's, it, and it's, it's a sound. It's not even words or a plot. It's just noise and music and art. And it, it really is kind of fascinating and really just impressive. You can sense the the composer right. and Trent uh, throughout. You know the, the way he the way he uses different sounds, the way he's trying to bring different sounds to bear upon what he's creating is uh, that's definitely the the composer side of him. But then you know you, you get a lyric like "God is dead and no one cares" and just shout that over and over and over again. Uh, it, it becomes oppressive. It becomes as depressing as it sounds, even if you're somebody like me who's an atheist, like just hearing somebody shout in that in that Trent Reznor voice, uh, "God is dead and no one cares." It feels empty. It feels horrific. Uh, it it uh, it feels like the absence of something. Well, and out of context, if you write it on a piece of paper, it's just corny. You know, it just sounds yeah. lame mm-hmm. and metal. But when you hear it in context, it, well, I mean, literally, the, the darkness just said it. Right. Like they said the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> uh, but when you hear in the in the within the music, it's it really drags you in. When you give this album a chance, and I totally get why it was as big as it was at the time. I was like, this one hit on it was a big deal. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Heresy's a one that really st- a standout on the record for sure. Yeah, uh, it just sticks with you. And really, the next four, the uh, the next three songs flow together really well. March of the Pigs is a 
I guess it was a single. I never heard it up until uh, this week. But this one's a neat song where it just kind of shifts gears. It's very upbeat, and then it just stops with a little piano beat, and then it goes back into this upbeat groove. Uh, I just found it neat. Mm-hmm. The, the lyrics again are, are very, a lot of times the, the lyrics and then they don't really matter. They're kind of deeply buried within the song to the point where sometimes you can't make them out. But when you do make them out, again, he finds ways to just to, to, to disturb you in a way that is very much. Again, I keep going back to the serial killer motif, and it it feels that way to me when I think of this. And I think about images from you know really great horror movies like this. This one has one has one that is just uh, man uh stains like the blood on your teeth ah that just that's right on my bone that's just the da metal on bone like bite right. chew suck away the tender parts fuck me <laughs> yeah but and even oh. though it doesn't it make is this the song where, it's, where they stop and it's like doesn't it make you feel better which oh is, yeah i mean mm-hmm. it, this is also like this very bowie moments in here uh I don't know. I just I love the way it's it messes with you. Where it's hard, fast, slow, stops, calm. It, it, it's and it's only it's less than three minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a quick song, but it's just it's one of the more effective songs on the whole record. Made of effective songs. Take the skin and peel it back. Now, doesn't that make you feel better? Ah, fuck! What the hell? Yeah. Ah. But the, the the distortion that leads up to that little break, doesn't it make you feel bad? I mean, it really does feel like a serial killer toying with a victim. Like, that's the way it sounds to me. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, you got the huge hit Closer, which, again, another one you take out of context, and all you hear is, I want to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> when you listen to the song, <laughs> it's a totally different song. It's interesting to me. I've, I was just kind of uh, having this conversation with somebody else about about closer. And when you really dig in, and I'm going into the lyrics again because that's kind of what I do. And it's it reminds me of something like an incel would say. Like this is what an incel thinks sex is. <laughs> what it's like, uh, you know. And you know, women are women are bad because you know you, you let me violate you. Like, you, like sex is me violating you. Uh, you let me desecrate you. You let me penetrate you. Like, ah, uh, and and his feelings are are more important. He breaks him up. He breaks himself up inside. You know, his 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 feelings are more important than anybody else's. His pain is more important. And then I want to fuck you like an animal is like, that's not love. He just wants to fuck. You know, he doesn't care about this person that he's essentially almost forcing himself upon. It, it really does have that feel of somebody who doesn't like doesn't who lacks the ability to understand tenderness and and what you know love should be. And that's what makes it so distinct and so and so effective is that mindset. Cause I don't think that's who Trite Reznor is, but he no. effectively brings that mindset to bear. And then you've got the music is such a, the music is so different from that because the music is almost inviting you to relax into it a little bit without understanding what it is you're relaxing into. So in that way, it's almost, it's almost a dark comedy in, in, in a way. Right. It's almost like he's talking about a, 
I don't know, egomaniac or narcissist, but who they, they never realize they're narcissists, but he's singing as if he is one, but he knows he is. I don't know. It's hard to. And then musically, it's again like nothing I've ever heard before. At the same time, insanely catchy. You know, it's such an you know musically a, a an ear pleaser, but full of like where did you come up with this? Like where is I? Where what's the riff? What where even where did you begin on the song? How did you know when it was over? Where did, like I can't wrap my head around what he was doing here, and it's that just makes it more intriguing to me uh, and then the way it just bounces right into the next song ruiner with, with this awesome drum beat uh which is probably the most standard thing most normal thing on the whole record is the drum beat for the beginning of the song ruiner uh, i love it i love the way it transitions right out of that weird ending of closer into this new song that sounds nothing like closer but uh, they play over each other for a bit there I, that's why it almost needs to be listened to beginning to end versus just picking out songs. Uh, I love it, the way it, it flows. It, it's weird like that. They're like, it doesn't do it all the time on from, from song to song, but like in the middle, they just sort of uh, let the, let right. the songs run together from closer ruiner to becoming, they sort of all don't have an ending. They just flow from one to another as if they're telling the same story, even if they're not necessarily telling the same story. Right. Well, I think it's supposed to be like similar to the wall, the way it just follows this guy through this path of self destruction. But uh, I didn't dig into it too far. I just kind of saw that that was what it was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, where are we at? Becoming or the, the title of this song, Ruiner, is such a Ruiner. an evocative title. Like it tells you so much. It just like ruiner is not a word, but like to ruin, ruiner. Like you, you know, you it, it, it's it's so evocative just as a title, but then you know you you get kind of a sense of of uh, you know he's, what he's ruining, <laughs> right? By listening to it, the lyrics are are very again a lot of it is very incomprehensible, buried within the, that that huge sonic industrial noise that's being created, but. Uh, there's still plenty of things that that stand out. You know, the ruining of innocence, the ruining of purity. He's the ruiner. Again, I keep going back to the serial killer thing, but they, like again, I do feel like there's an element of that to it, and uh, and I I think it's kind of brilliant in that way. It's like it's incredibly cinematic. Well, and that's the thing about, I mean, between a narcissist and a serial killer and a someone who's self-destructing. They all kind of have a similar mind. I mean, it's they're almost socio. I mean, they're sociopaths. I mean, they don't. I think they all they do kind of run together. You know, even mm-hmm. even if he's maybe talking about something else, the way a serial killer's mind works is similar to the way that the character he's talking about in these songs works as well. Versus, I mean, I I think there's a lot for us to bring to it. It's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is that open to interpretation. Uh, because, but I think he captures so much within what he's doing that it allows us to bring what we want to it as well. It's that mm-hmm. open-ended. It's a, it's effective. It's disturbing. It's incredibly memorable. Um, it It's remarkably constructed. Um, the construction of each song is, is both, 
it, it captures the feeling of chaos without actually being chaotic. Like you can sense what it, the sound that Trent and the band are going for and what they, what they're hoping that it will sound like what they, the sound that they want at the same time, it is, it sounds so chaotic and so effective of, of disorientation. You can't, you, you can't help but feel disoriented throughout the entire record. And it's a sort of compelling disorientation where you're constantly reaching for something that sounds familiar or something that will allow you a moment to, to relax and breathe. And it, comes and then it goes and then something else comes in and disturbs you all the more and moves you on to the next thing and similar to like a pink floyd like or you know back to movies there are certain movies when we're doing a flick chart we're like well that's i like it it's good but it's homework i can't listen to this the way probably people did when i was in high school or a very surface level on the surface i get why people would like it too there is definitely an upbeat groove there's memorable songs uh it's dark and people like to be dark i can't not get pulled in all the way on concept records like this i have a, like i love pink floyd but i it, it's it is a process for me to listen to a pink floyd record i can't just pop on comfortably numb and move on you know i want to hear the whole thing i want to put animals on and listen to the whole record i know that's on the wall but i like animals better uh same thing here this is just it's always going to be work for me to really like i can't i don't know i just got to get in the right mindset and i got to give it the effort it deserves which is why this probably won't ever be a go-to but there'll be days where i want to so if that makes Mm -hmm. sense i can definitely I, i could definitely add this song to my to my uh, writing playlist um because uh, it it has a like a certain uh sonic forcefulness right. to it that it that compels you even if if it can be on in the background and and be something that pro- that is uh, propellant for your thoughts and and energetic and you know it certainly kept my my mind going while i was doing you know other things the the second time i listened to it no i get that too and uh, I just I, I really thought I was going to hate this experience so that's really saying a lot for me alright are we on I do not want this is that where we're at or are we yeah okay. I think we're in I think that's where we're at go ahead <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it, we're kind of repeating ourselves at this point because again right. it's the same sort of it's the same sort of idea but a lot of you know evocative ideas and industrial noise combining to create you know a song that is a like for some reason i can't separate like sonically anymore like what song sounds like what anymore um from from this point on in the record they all until hurt they all kind of sound the same well and purposely they do repeat riffs from earlier in the record again later on uh I mean, I will point out Big Man with a Gun. I think that song got a lot of attention from uh, the political uh, side of things. He was constantly questioned on it, and they lumped it in with gangster rap (laughs) (laughs) multiple times. And they kept, like Bob Dole and other politicians, kept referring to it as a gangster rap song, uh, which just shows you how big an idiot some of these politicians truly are (laughs) when they decide to make a point. Uh, the song "Reptile" sticks out for me too. Uh, the, yeah. As a a guitar riff that was 
I think earlier in the record too, but it's more predominant in that song. Uh, were you going to say something? I feel like I cut you off. Uh, it's just going to say about big man with a gun. It's a, it's a parody of right. the guy with a gun. Like it's not in favor of the guy with a gun. It's deconstructing right. the guy with the gun. You know, the, the, it was really, I mean, if, if anything, he's more talking about his dick than he is talking about his gun. <laughs> he's just calling it a gun. Uh, because I mean, he's talking about shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm going to come all over you. Like that's what he's like. As it's it's about the it's about the gun as a metaphor for a penis and right. and how silly that is as a comparison because you know guns kill people and your penis doesn't necessarily kill anybody. Uh, so I, I think I think if you're trying you try and take this rec- take this out of out of context and and just look at it from the perspective of he's talking about guns, you you really you you, you sound like a talking about born in the usa without actually listening to it right. <laughs> all i can think about is love gun from kiss <laughs> just nowhere near as impressive as anything on this record <laughs> oh man i fucking hate kiss <laughs> i try to like kiss i'm actually going to a show where nine inch nails and kiss are playing at the same time not the same time but the same festival later on this year wow. uh and i've never seen nine inch nails i'm very curious like that's the other thing is when i hear this stuff I'm like what are you playing <laughs> like wh- how are you doing this on stage uh and, and but i'm totally fascinated because i know i mean they're the headliner uh that yeah. night i think kiss headlines another night uh, I, I a lot of the times when I was looking for like because I was trying to find this on YouTube because I don't have any of the music streaming services so anytime I listen to music I'm listening to it on YouTube with ads which is a weird way to experience this record but nevertheless I uh, I was trying to find like cleaner versions to to hear you know hear the lyrics better and so I listened to a couple of uh, live versions and and their live performance is fucking incredible. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued and can't wait to really check it out. And uh, I don't know, we weren't even going to go to that festival again. Every September we've gone, we were going to not go this year. Then it was just like, never seen Nine Inch Nails live. There's a handful of other bands I hadn't seen live. And it's like, ah, I got to do it now. <laughs> uh, you want to fast forward to Hurt at this point? Or do you have more you want to yeah, talk fine. about? I mean, uh, there's, there is you know, something to be said about the the downward spiral which is basically what some have theorized that this is the the supposed seeming attempted end of the of the main character of the story the guy who's on the downward spiral literally he's attempting suicide and he does go essentially all the way towards killing himself uh he talks about you know the uh spilling so much blood from such a small hole um, the, talking about uh, seeing everything is all this blood coming out of himself. The, this uh, really just evoc- deeply evocative and deadly sounding lyrics that are just, whew, it is it is an experience. That song is a fucking experience. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's hurt. Obviously, Johnny Cash did a massive remake cover of it. Huge hit. Actually, the first time I ever heard it was Johnny Cash's version. Uh, and I am—I don't know which one I like better. I think I like this one better. Uh, 
the Johnny Cash one is very it's great. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's mm-hmm. very straightforward. Uh, and I he makes the lyrics kind of cover what his life was, and it kind of fits. But when you hear it in context of this record, and then just kind of the out of tune noises he makes on purpose in this mm-hmm. song versus the straightforward guitar part that's in tune versus the out of tune thing he does here. Uh, just musically is it, it hits you just as hard as the lyrics do. Uh, and I, I, I think I like this version, but I mean, this is a remarkable song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wear my crown of shit. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's evocative that is uh that is uh, that is a powerful fucking lyric and again i mean context it's lazy and stupid but when you hear it within you know what i'm saying i mean if you just saw a piece of paper you're like what the fuck who is a kindergartner write this with the bad parents uh but when you hear it with the music and the way it it, it just in the context yeah it it, it hits hard and i i don't know this is a Essentially, what we're told, and again, this is just the, a lot of pe- other people's interpretations, is this is a man who has attempted to kill himself and survived, and this is the kind of place where he finds himself. Uh, it hurt is his you know, place where he is now after having tried to die and failing at it. And you know, considering everything else that he's failed at thus far throughout the record, having failed at killing himself just is kind of the ultimate fuck you to to himself the universe and that's where this that's where all this uh song comes together and in that way and it's just it's it's awe-inspiring when you when you really kind of break it down into into that uh into that level and then i mean my empire of dirt is a great lyric like it's it 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 encapsulates emptiness uh in in a way that that is I mean, it's it's like a great piece of poetry. Uh, it's one line, but it's a it's a deeply evocative piece of poetry. It evokes complete and utter emptiness. Right, and you know when I summarize this kind of this whole thing is when we did Nevermind. You know, obviously that's a great record. I also think, and I, I think two things can be true. I think Nirvana can be great and the most overrated band of all time at this. I think both can exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we throw the word genius around way too much. Uh, but I think Trent Reznor probably is, <laughs> you know, musically. Uh, and he's not just, I mean, he's a composer, but it's not even like, like I can wrap my head around like what John Williams does. It makes sense to me. It's very popcorn. It's very, it's good. It's great. You know, it, this is still I, it's just so there's something more to it there's a more musicianship there's a, a depth to it that i i just that's I, maybe it is maybe beyond's the right word for me that i i just can't where, where do you even think of the stuff uh and i i just to me that is just the ultimate sign of respect respect from you know like it is at least what i think of as an artist or a musician i i you know it's just so original and so and now it's been copied and mm-hmm. you can hear it in the right. lesser bands by a lot right. uh, but i just i'm so impressed with what he's accomplished and created uh more so than i am a lot of other 
artist, especially for him to go into the, do a lot of the David Fincher movies uh, and um, remarkable scores, Oscar-winning scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing. In many ways, this is like the soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a movie uh, being made here in, in your mind as you're listening to this record. And, and every, every song, whether it connects you know, story-wise or not, feels like it's telling a story. It feels like it's underscoring a story that, it, that is occurring somewhere. You feel like you're inside the head of someone who is losing their mind in the most disturbing and unstoppable way. Um, and that is it, to, to evoke that as well as this does is haunting and, and brilliant and uh, beautiful in a way that uh, that I, I really did not expect. Uh, like I don't think I don't think I ever uh, in as an eighteen year old in 1994. There was no way I was ever going to appreciate this oh, the way I do the way I do now. I couldn't possibly experience this the the way I do now. It's it's a totally. It, this was way way over my head in 1994. I was barely grasping Nirvana. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> I was recovering from being like a, a huge fan of Poison and Bon Jovi, uh, which uh, you know, the, the great shames of my life. Um, <laughs> they're not shamed. No. I love they're, they're fine. They're, they're, but it's like it's like chocolate uh, versus a four a five course meal from a five star restaurant. You know, what I mean, like it's, Poison and Bon Jovi are like a cookie. <laughs> this is like a five star fucking meal. Yeah, but it's like a, it's one of those, it's a five-star meal that you don't want to have every day. It's like no. you, you want it, like there's a special occasion for it. And that's when you need to get in this mood or when you're maybe when you're in this mood, when you're feeling down, I don't mind. I don't need, I don't, I like to dig in, you know, I like to, I, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'll put on like Allison Chains or whatever. And just when I'm feeling just depressed or upset, this would be the kind of thing that I could see going to now. I, again, just musically, I like being in that environment when I'm feeling like that. I don't like the opposite. I don't like going to, and I think you're more the opposite of that. You like, you like more the, you know, watching that movie that makes you feel good about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but is that kind of legally blonde? I watch legally blonde when I get depressed. Right. And I, <laughs> and this, I mean, everybody just handles the way the dep- the depression differently. And we all feel it no matter how you know where you're at uh and this will definitely probably be one i turn on because one i like again i'm an album guy i i don't really do playlists i have them uh mm-hmm. usually when it's like i'm gonna go to a concert and i want to make sure i know certain songs so I'll, ma- I'll find the set list and i'll make a playlist out of all the set list. that's the extent of how playlists work for me otherwise i'm still a, the old guy that's like tr- side a track one do a lot of vinyl i'll probably if i could ever find this on vinyl i'd probably get it i'm, uh, I'm going to do that as well and, and interesting you mentioned that i've got an interview that is dropping tomorrow uh on my on my twitter feed and on my radio station where i'm talking to, to the director of a new documentary called vinyl nation which is all awesome. about the the resurgence of vinyl and uh that movie comes out tomorrow actually which we'll talk about it on next week's show um awesome. it's a uh, it's a pretty terrific uh, documentary the, uh, the the director is really cool but uh it did inspire me to want to have a, a brand new record collection that i'm 
probably going to begin with this and the darkness as the first two that I bought. I actually have the darkness on vinyl. Easter is canceled. I did not listen to it this weekend. Uh, The one time I tried to, I got guilted into not going down to listen to it. Uh, And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I felt guilty. (laughs) Uh, But this is definitely one that, I mean, I really, this should be held you know, alongside the wall and dark side of the mood, moon and Aqualung and uh, yeah, Court of the Kings, uh, Crimson King, all these great concept albums. It's it's more than just like deep dark depression music. It's more than just in. It's more than just the surface levels of of uh, how you know powerful it sounds. Uh, the 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 impressions that people have of it. Uh, the serpent it's way way much so much more than that uh it is it is not a record that you want to experience all the time or at least i don't but uh it is it is a record that while you're experiencing it it is powerful evocative emotional and uh genuinely exciting to listen to and i'm repeating myself but it's just insane to me that where this gets slumped in with the era of music that it came out with, you know, with Marilyn Manson, with, I mean, even White Zombie and Corn and Tool and all these other bands that they all were together. This one, these guys should be off to the side as their own, like where Pink Floyd was. They, they didn't need to be with Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Pink Floyd was Pink Floyd. And that's mm-hmm. really where these guys were Nine Inch Nails and really Trent Reznor. Uh, it, this record is like it's ahead of its time in so many ways it came out in the weirdest at the weirdest point it possibly can come out but at the same time you know i can hear bands like white zombie and or even rob zombie and static x and all these taking stuff from this and popping it you know making it very pop uh mm-hmm. taking the i want i don't want to say taking the art out because it's all art but it, taking the the substance out of it and just making it more popcorn and uh and it doesn't bother me that's just that means it's great because if you're doing that that means it was great to begin with so it's just it's funny how copied they've become and i never really even noticed it till this weekend (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is an interesting point uh the the stealing from this record is is pretty heavy yeah all right anything else before we wrap up the show what do we got next Um, week i know you or go ahead just the, this is what you're going to get on Patreon with uh, discussions of uh, you know the Beatles, um, uh, Abbey Road, with the discussions of uh, you know, it smells like Teen Spirits and uh, Metallica's Black Album. Um, this is the this is the kind of stuff that we're doing there with this uh, with the Patreon with the music and uh, no I know that this has been your your passion for for a very long time. Uh, you're still even doing interviews, right? Well, I, I I did one for a friend online the other day. I'm not doing what I used to. Uh, I want to, but uh, it, it's too stressful for me. Like it really does take. I get I'm very shy. This is hard for me to begin with. We're <laughs> <laughs> throwing YouTube and all this stuff into it. It's definitely challenging my comfort zone. But at least here we've been doing this a long time. Uh, we have a chemistry that works and that makes me more comfortable when I have to bring in somebody I've never met somebody sometimes like heroes it I just get beat up all day long now when I'm done I'm higher than you could ever be mm-hmm. but getting there it, it takes so much out of me and I with the way work has been I can't do it like I used to and uh, I just can't 
it'll, it'll kill me if I keep doing it. <laughs> like it really does. I am way too timid and shy to, I mean, it was good for me cause it definitely pushed my comfort zone. But now just with all the other stresses I have going on, I can't do it anymore. And, and quite frankly, this is the kind of like a Trent Reznor would be where I'd want to go because those are the the hardest to interview because I can't wrap my head around them. The Prague guys, I can't wrap my head around what they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is definitely a passion. And you know, if I had this shot to ever talk to Trent Reznor, I'd try to find a way to work it into this podcast because now he's a movie guy, and I definitely would take it. Uh, but I just it's not what it used to be. But no, I love doing this, and we have been trying to. The first three were kind of comfort foods. Uh, you know, I I know Metallic really well. You're familiar with that record. We both knew Nirvana enough. And I mean, the Beatles, that was an easy one. Now we're trying to just go outside our comfort zone. You listen to a, two albums you'd never heard before. And I, you know, I really dug into Nine Inch Nails for the first time ever. Uh, we'll probably want to show each other things. Uh, we'll want to go outside our comfort zone. Well, there'll be a lot of variety of what we want to do between maybe doing something from Madonna or Lady Gaga or, you know, or whatever. I mean, going the gamut, we're not just going to stick and rock. We're going to try everything. Uh, mm-hmm. But patreon.com slash critics pod if you want to hear it. And we're also interested in what, you know, if you have stuff you think we should check out, we, we'd be willing to do that as well. Yeah, uh, we need a, I think if we, I don't know, I don't know how Patreon I've never posted on our Patreon, so I don't know how that works, but uh, you're going to post a suggestion post where people can maybe suggest records to do. Yeah. Or we could just do it on our regular social media to try to get you to go to Patreon. Uh, Cause that'd be the other thing is uh, we'd like to get more supporters over there. And uh, I think they, they're just a fun new original idea for us. That's outside the norm. Whenever we both have time, we try to make sure we knock out one of those bonus episodes. So, uh, yeah, we'll put something out there on Twitter and Facebook and see what you say, see what you want to hear, and hopefully it'll get somebody to go over there and check out some of these episodes. Uh, even if it's just for a month or two, it's it's still, it helps us out, and it's something new to for you guys to listen to. I've been uh, I've been sidelining as a as a music critic a little bit here and there. Just I do mostly uh, singles reviews of the you know the biggest song of the moment. I've written about Justin Bieber. I've written about Post Malone, uh, John Legend. You know whenever they're putting out singles, Kelly Clarkson. I did one uh, Twenty One Pilots, but uh, never. This is the only time I've ever done full length uh, albums because albums don't seem to exist much anymore. <laughs> Although, thankfully, the vinyl revolution is making that uh, change back to uh, uh, two full-length records, where you know it's you know nine to twelve songs. Again, it's uh, pretty great. I'm happy to see that. And uh, vinyl has grown to more than forty-two billion dollars in the last year, uh, where it was down to under a billion dollars you know, twenty years ago. Right. I think there was one week a couple of years ago where vinyl actually outsold downloads <laughs> and maybe that's been more this i don't know i haven't paid attention that much lately uh but yeah i love i have a not a massive record collection but a collection nonetheless and uh i'm gonna have to definitely look for the downward spiral to add that one to it mm-hmm. and then watch wizard of oz at the same time and see if it works <laughs> see i was gonna stick it up with seven <laughs> what we should do is like wrecking for a dream i think that's like the ideal <laughs> 
see if they match up. Right. I, I, I fell down a little rabbit hole the other day of watching like uh, somebody was they're doing a debunking of the the Pink Floyd Wizard of Oz thing. And they pointed out that if you sync up, if you sync up uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon with uh, with Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, it matches up just as well as with Wizard of Oz. That's the thing is I could that's kind of what I always thought. Uh, and I've even heard that the when they made Wally, they tried to sync it up with the wall. And mm. there is the uh, I know people that have watched that and it works. And I whether they did it or not, it would be easier to do that than for just Pink Floyd. To, I think maybe not. I don't know. But I could totally see why something like money would make sense with a lot of things. Somebody just happened to be walking when that little bass riff goes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that looks, they must have done that on purpose. <laughs> Sometimes there's just things called coincidences. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the, the idea that they're correlating money to, uh, you know, the wizard of Oz going into color in that moment. Cause like that, that song comes on when it goes into the color uh, of, of Oz <laughs> ah, money. They spent money to colorize the, the black and white. Right. It kind of bit of a stretch, bit right. of a stretch. Doesn't really match the story, does it? No. <laughs> uh, and but when you have cinematic bands and artists, they tend to line up with cinematic things more often, mm-hmm. and that's why I could see probably if we ran Seven or Requiem for a Dream, <laughs> there would be times we'd be like, "Holy shit, that really!" <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee. It. Yeah. All right. Mother would be another one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else before we wrap it up? No, that's all I got. All right. We will see you next week with our regular movies. What do we have next week? Do you remember? Uh, the, the Northman. Uh, Northman, that's right. And The Unbearable Weight of Incredible Talent or something. I can't remember the title of it. Nick, Nick Cage's new movie. <laughs> oh yeah both of those in the same week plus a documentary on vinyl it's like somebody's being nice to us after what the after we went what we went through this week <laughs> and, and the best part is like i don't have a baseball tournament so there's no like i could actually probably get to a lot of these things i'm not as busy as I normally am. perfectly lined up and my wife wants to see the northman what the hell is going on everything's lining up perfectly this is not the only. universe is doing it. I think we, I think the universe saw saw me not going to the Dumbledore movie and said, "You know what? Good for you. Here's well, a here's a gift. You get a Robert Eggers movie and new Nicolas Cage." Well, and let's not forget, literally a week ago, possibly the best movie of all time we just saw. You know, or right, right up there. It's been a it's been a good. Was that April? <laughs> or was that March? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember now. Uh, it's been a good couple weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then even the way this kind of came together was pretty seamless. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. kind of agreed and instantly on what we wanted to do. And it was like, that was really easy. All right. I can't wait till next week now. Uh, I'll see you guys then. All right. Bye. See yep.